There are people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures they have. Those who say no are rewarded by the safety they attain. There are far more no-sayers than yes-sayers, but you can train one type to behave like the other. Now, I can say to an actress, I can say, make up a story. I can't think of one. Any story, I say. Make up a silly one. I can't. She despairs. So I say, suppose I think of a story and you guess what it is. And at once she relaxes and it's obvious how very tense she was. I've thought of one, I say, but I'll only answer yes, no, or maybe. She likes this idea. And she agrees, having no idea that I'm planning to say yes to any question that ends in a vowel, and no to any question that ends in a consonant, and maybe to any question that ends in the letter Y. She can now invent a story easily, but she does not feel obligated to be creative or sensitive because she believes the story is my invention. She no longer feels wary, open to criticism, as of course we all are in this culture whenever we do anything spontaneously. It goes something like this. Has the story got people in it? No. Has it got animals in it? No. Has it got buildings? Yes, as an aside. So I'm having to drop my rule about the consonants or she's going to get too discouraged. Does the building have anything to do with the story? Maybe. Does it have aeroplanes in it? No. Fish? No. Insects? Yes. Do the insects play a large part in the story? Maybe. Do they live underground? No. Do they start out harmless? No. Do the insects take over the world? Yes. Are they as big as elephants? No. Do they take any poison? No. Is it a gradual process, this taking over the world? No. Were there many insects? No. Did the insects gain anything by destroying the world? Yes. Do they reign utter alone? Yes. Do they destroy the world in a foul manner? No. Does the story begin with their existing? No. But there aren't any people in this bloody story, so it must start with insects. Have the insects been reigning alone in this world for a long time? So my yes-no rules, clearly not working. This is too discouraging. I'm just going to say yes all the time. Yes. yes. Do they live in the buildings that used to be the people's buildings? Yes. And then suddenly they decided to destroy the world? Yes. And they don't die, and when they eat everything in sight, they become larger. Yes. And then they can't fit into the buildings again. Yes. And is that the end of the story? It is. It must be obvious that when someone insists that they can't think up a story, they really mean that they won't think up a story, which is okay by me, so long as they understand that their choice is a refusal rather than a lack of talent.
In the warmth of your presence, I am safe at home. I will stand, I will stand. In the deepest conflict, I am not alone. I will stand, I will stand, I will stand, I will stand. I will stand in myself when I'm not feeling strong. I will stand, I will stand. I will tear down the walls and sing a freedom song. I will stand, I will stand, I will stand, I will stand with this spark in my hand. I will stand in the circle with the circle in me. I will stand, I will stand. Well, I've wanted to talk with you about yes because I am very fond of this tiny little word and all that it captures. I've been fond of it for a long time. The Sandberg poem, Yes, the People, it affirms his confidence and his hope in mankind. And the reading that Michael and Nan performed for us shows how yes can be an opening, uh, an opening to discovery and an opening to connection. Yes holds theological meaning for me. In the meditation hymn, we sang, if they ask what I did well, tell them I said yes to life. Tell them I said yes to truth. Tell them I said yes to love. The word yes affirms our deepest beliefs and our highest affirmations. It's a placeholder for what we hold most dear in our lives. When I was a teenager, I read a quote from Dog Hammarskjöld about yes, the role of yes in his life. And his words became a touchstone for me. Hammarskjöld was a Swedish statesman, an economist, and an author who was the Secretary General of the UN twice in the 1950s. And I had taken over my mother's copy of his book called Markings which are his collections his, of his reflections, including many about his life along his spiritual journey. Harmerschold wrote, I don't know who or what put the question. I don't know when it was put. I don't even remember answering. But at some point, I did answer yes to someone or something. And from that hour, I was certain I was certain that existence is meaningful and that therefore my life in self-surrender had a goal. 
I was drawn in by his affirmation of his sense of relationship to that which is greater than himself, a sense of relatedness that he committed to him, himself to even before he could give it a name. Because as a young person, I was groping to claim what I could feel carrying my life forward, but without being able to give it a name. And here I heard that similar sense in another person. It was very powerful, me, pow powerful for me. And that yes to a personal sense of a spiritual life held me for many years before I discovered that there were actually congregations, whole congregations of Unitarian Universalists who wanted to help each of us affirm what is that spiritual sense that we carry along. Another memorable reflection on yes I acquired at my UU congregation in Westport, it's the E.E. E. Cummings that I've shared here with you. It begins, I thank you God for this most amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and the blue true dream of sky and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. In the late 1990s, I learned more about what yes can mean when I decided to take an improv class. I, during that time, was in what might be called a midlife crisis. I would probably prefer to call it a spiritual crisis. But it was a time when I was actively challenging myself. I was pushing the limits of who I understood myself to be. I was going right up to the edge of certainty about who I thought I was and peering over the edge into the unknown. And so it was in that state of mind that I decided to do something really scary, something that was completely opposite to anything I could imagine myself doing. And I signed up for a one-week intensive class in improvisational acting. To me, this was the opposite of all that I knew. The teacher was Martin DeMott from Second City, Chicago, who was famous and beloved to his students. In that class, I learned that successful improv is all about the yes. It's about giving the other actors something to hold on to, a hook, an opening, a finger pointing to a possibility. Anything could happen in the spontaneity of giving and receiving a yes. But it turned out that it is very easy to give a no, a refusal. They just happen without even thinking when a person pulls back or refuses, drops the ball. In the presence of no, you can watch an entire encounter moments before full of possibility deflate into utter silence. Being in this class, or as this class was beginning, I was actually questioning why I had decided to give up a week of my vacation to do this, having already committed to it. And my goal was simply to survive the week. I thought that was reasonable. Fortunately, within the first couple of days, Martin gave me two yeses that calmed me down and let me start to expand and not just survive during the week. After my first try at a spontaneous encounter, he said that my pacing and my replies reminded him of Mary Tyler Moore. 
Well, you can imagine how I basked in that one. She was one, those of you who remember Mary Tyler Moore, she was one of my favorite sitcoms uh, stars as I was growing up. And then, more importantly, later he commented that as a therapist, I had been doing improv for my entire career. I just didn't know it. He was absolutely right. The most unexpected thing I learned that week was how capable I already was at giving other people yeses, affirming them, attuning with them, bouncing my responses off of them, keeping us in step together, playing with each other. After that improv class, I actually came to realize that the work I had to do, the work that I was truly afraid of, was about giving myself a yes. My reluctance and my fear rested in discovering how to live my inner life outward, to trust that I had a voice even if it wasn't attuned, to take a stand even if that meant letting disharmony, a dropped ball, happen in my midst. I found myself there looking over the edge yet again because hard teachings come with saying yes to whatever begs us to say yes in our lives. Yes is hard because yes also gets wrapped up in saying no. There's a discernment process that goes on as you discover that to say yes to certain values is to have to face up to the implications of that yes for how you're going to live your life. In my own lifestyle, for example, saying yes to better health, to more mindful eating over the years has involved to a lot of saying no. No to southern fried chicken, biscuits and gravy, no to cigarettes, no to ice cream, no to Doritos, no to mixed drinks, Coke, Mountain Dew, pecan pie, death by chocolate cake, Krispy Kreme donuts, fast food, Saying yes, saying yes to the inherent worth and dignity of every person has required that I do the work of getting in touch with my prejudices, my racism, my classism, my intellectual elitism, to examine my positions on health care, immigration, unfair trade practices, consumerism, and climate change. Saying yes to respect for the interdependent web of which we are all a part has affected how I feel about my patterns of consumption, the car I drive, where I shop, the food I eat, where it comes from, the size of the carbon footprint that I am willing to have. When we clarify the values to which we say yes, we also discern more clearly where we are compelled to say no. It's a learning process. It's a reflection process on what we believe that ultimately leads us to change how we act. From time to time, I have to deal with the person who says, oh, you use, you can believe whatever you want. You've heard that, I'm sure. Unitarian Universalists, we can believe whatever we want. And my response usually goes something like, actually, Unitarian Universalism requires that you discover what you do believe 
and what that compels you to do in the world. And I do think what I say about that is true, that Unitarian Universalism pushes us to affirm what we stand for with our lives. But I also know how often I have heard us lapse into being adamant about what we don't believe and what we say no to, and then we never quite get around to that yes to speaking the affirmations of what we do believe and how we find ourselves compelled to act. Many of us heard the Reverend Karen Armstrong from the First Unitarian Church of Rochester at General Assembly this year, and she was telling us that it's time to get over our congregational infighting that's so negative about whose beliefs, whose theologies are superior to the other person's. Because she said there's work that we all must do to say yes to growing lives that are more filled with compassion and with connection. Karen Armstrong said, Unitarian Universalism doesn't care one whit whether you're an atheist, a theist, an agnostic, a Buddhist, a pagan, or a Barnes and Nobleite. Our question for you is whether your atheism, theism, paganism, Buddhism, or Barnes and Nobleism leads you to connection. Does it lead you to listening to your deepest, deepest self? Does it lead you to be open to life's gifts? Does it serve needs that are greater than your own? In other words, do your beliefs help you connect to self, to life, to others? So how do your beliefs affirm life? Do you know the yes embedded in your beliefs? This summer I was the chaplain at Alti. ALTI is the Unitarian Universalist Leadership Team Institute that happened down at Ocean Grove in August. One of the workshop leaders was using a book named The Answer to How is Yes, which interested me right away since I knew I was going to be speaking about yes. The author is Peter Block, caught my eye, and I read his book, and I actually liked his ideas about yes. Peter Block says, a life that matters is captured in the word yes. Yes expresses our willingness to claim our freedom and use it to discover the real meaning of commitment. To discover the real meaning of commitment, which is to say yes to causes that have no clear offer of return. To say yes when we do not have the mastery or the methodology to know how to get where we want to go. Peter's position is that we are compelled to say yes about what matters in our lives and the lives of others, even if we don't know how to get there yet. We are compelled to say yes if we want to live more deeply and meaningfully and not just materially. Peter says that how questions often reflect our refusal, our no, to explore what really matters. Asking how questions when we're trying to discern what is important limits us to what we already know works. Well, how are you going to do that? 
how is that going to be possible? How much is that going to cost? How long will it take? He says our goal is to balance a life that works with a life that counts. That ultimately, what will matter most is the quality of experience that we create in the world, not the quantity of results. Or said another way, reflecting back on the words of Rebecca Parker that we shared last week here, we have a choice. It's ours to choose whether we will bless the world with our lives. Every day, my computer asks me yes or no questions several times a day. Do you want to save the changes you made to this file, yes or no? That file already exists. Do you want to replace it, yes or no? Are you sure you want to send this file permanently to the recycle bin, yes or no? Just as these reminder questions are good for my relationship with my computer, I think our religious community here asks us to say yes or no to questions about our spiritual well-being and the well-being of the world. We come together to be reminded of what we value and to be emboldened to make choices that our values compel us to make. We speak about what matters here. We encourage each other with yeses. We delight when we see our members stand up and take a stand out of self-respect or take a stand for justice. And hopefully we don't shut each other down too prematurely with questions about how or refusals to play together. So as we find ourselves here moving through these last days of September deeper into the worship and the work of this year we have ahead, I ask that we continue to teach each other about how to live lives of affirmation and lives of hope, how to live lives that say yes. May it be so. It's time for our offering. The offering for these months of September and October is being shared